Imagine your wedding day on white marble floors beneath crystal chandeliers and exquisite ceiling drapery. Nestled on Long Bay Point Marina in Virginia Beach, the Gala 417 is a modern and luxurious waterfront wedding venue with all-inclusive packages, award-winning catering packages, and a dedicated team of gala girls to assist you every step of the way. The Gala is the perfect place to say, I do. Your dream wedding is just a click away. Learn more at thegala417.com. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello everybody and welcome back. Thank you very much for joining me. Tonight we go to Winter Hill and a compilation of witness reports taken by Mick McLaren and the Winter Hill team. Over the last 6 to 12 months, the Winter Hill BBR team have been interviewing and investigating a number of strange experiences in the Winter Hill, Rivington area. Lead investigator Mick McLaren has presented a very detailed and thorough account for each of the witness reports. Today, I have added some of them together in a compilation of witness interviews. Whilst on a late night investigation, early March 2021, just last week, Mick and the team were using night vision when something is spotted close to the quarry area. A head-shaped anomaly is seen popping up numerous times above the small quarry. When the bobbing head vanished, the team went over to investigate the area. They found a 20 to 30 foot sheer drop where the person would have to have been standing. Mick said, The team went out investigating around the area of Winter Hill where the reports of growls and red eye shine have been reported along with horrendous sheep kills. We had an encounter with something on the edge of a little quarried area, which was first spotted by Lee Roscoe with his infrared binoculars. We saw something quite big that we couldn't distinguish. It kept watching us by looking up over the ridge of the quarry and bopping down at least four times. What we saw from the top of the quarry was about the size of a sheep, but this is all we could see from the side of the field we were on due to the light conditions. As we walked very fast towards it, whatever it was, dropped down again as we reached the top of the quarry and it was nowhere to be seen. From the top of the quarry, Mick said, I'd say there is a 20 foot drop. So we're not sure where this thing could have gone apart from straight down. Now this is the second time they've managed to catch something on Lee's night vision. Um, There is also another recording where you see at first one eye and then a second eye, um, eye shine out there in the dark. Lee said, we've also been, we had also been in the same quarry area, which is very small, about 10 minutes before I spotted the anomaly on my night vision. I've been thinking about what I saw all day and trying to find a logical explanation as to what it could have been. Without the night vision binoculars, we would not have seen it at all. Now, I've added the video from the team at the end of the witness reports. And the team have also been working in conjunction with one of our BBR members from Staffordshire, who has discovered what I believe is a research-changing fact regarding the structures that we find, which will solve the sticks and stones debate once and for all. More news on that and video evidence coming very soon. Whatever it was, it was just very large and it moved very quickly. But that was the thing, it wasn't just a dog that was just walking ahead. If we were slow, oh, it 
Onto all fours and slinked away. 2018, it was summer. About what's it there? The very first thing I thought was American Werewolf in London, as daft as it sounds. No, I never went out again that night. And we saw it, well, me and my friend saw it the first time. Um, and I only saw the bulk of the body. There was a side on profile to it. Went into total panic, asking and Jeff, did you see that? And oh my God, you know, what the hell was that? The first interview you will hear is from a gentleman who saw an unidentified craft on the hill with his father and brother when he was around six years of age and he remembers this event clearly. The gentleman also shared a later experience from the Dartmoor area of the UK when he was a serving soldier. The two areas, Dartmoor and Winter Hill, are very similar. They're both rocky and hilly and moorland, lots of fog and mist, Lots of places to hide, so it's no wonder we have our own beast. And the gentleman, as I say, was very certain about what he saw that day, and he said what, well, like most of the other witnesses will say, I know what I saw, and I'm not going to change that opinion for anybody. He's a very honest gentleman, and I really enjoyed listening to his interview. And I have to thank Mick and the team, actually, because the interviews that are coming up that you're going to hear from the area are absolutely outstanding. Uh, I, was, I was between six and seven years old, and I can't give you an exact date, uh, because obviously I was incredibly young. Yeah. What I do know, it was very, very summery. It, we were in shirt sleeve order, as it were. Uh, and we'd been over to Blackburn to see my grandfather, who was in Queen's Park Hospital. Yeah. Uh, on his last legs, he was, he was on his way out. So... If we behaved while we were at the hospital, um, it was a regular thing that my father would stop somewhere on the way back on the moors and he'd let us run wild for a while. I've got to put you in the picture. My father was ex-military. Yeah. I'm ex-military. I'm ex-military as well. Yeah. Um, he was a very serious man. Never told the lie in his life as far as I'm aware. Yeah. Um, and like I say, a very serious man. He always had, uh, you know, his, his work, work ethic and everything was perfect, as, you know, from memory. Um, so to say, you know, that he was a, he would be a good witness in any court would be an understatement. Yeah. Anyway, we stopped on the moors and for whatever reason we decided, or he decided we were going to walk up, uh, Winds Hill. Right. And off we went. Um, uh, we had, uh, there's me, my brother, my elder brother, he was about 12 at the time, uh, and my father, who was, uh, like I say, we, uh, he was a servant at the time, he was a serving sergeant major in the TA. Oh, so, yeah. um, so he, he was a serious guy. Um, we're walking up the, uh, up the pike, we've got the piking view. Yeah. And, so, uh, and I'm sort of being giddy as a six year old or seven year old would be. Uh, and I saw my dad stop and stare, and I thought, what the heck's going on here? So I kind of followed his gaze, and right next, well, he looked right next to it from where we were stood. He's probably, I don't know, 50 meters off. There was a silver craft, um, as clear as day. I mean, we're, it, we're, we're close enough to see it very clearly. Yeah. Although I could, uh, perspective is a very difficult thing especially when you're younger. Yeah, it is. Uh, uh, and to guess how big it would be, I would say it was somewhere the size of a car, but I might, I'm guessing. I don't mm. know. My brother saw it. My father's standing there more or less with his mouth, mouth open. Now, it took a lot to shock my dad. You know, my dad was more or less unshockable. 
but my brother, me, and my dad are sitting standing there, all with our mouths open, more or less, watching this thing. And while we're watching it, all of a sudden, Bush is gone. And I mean, you couldn't, fo- you couldn't have followed it. It, was, it went that fast. Right, so um, it, um, right. it went uh, right to knots, unbelievably fast. Um, my father turned around and he, he knelt down in front of me and my brother and said, look, whatever happens in the future, don't ever let anybody tell you that that didn't happen because what you've just seen um, wasn't from here. That happened and don't ever let anybody tell you it didn't. And that was it. We went up to the top of Winter Hill, we had a run around, we went home. And it was never mentioned. So, as I got into adult life, I've been in the army. I've um, been all over the place, all over the world. I took my dad out for a pint as he was getting older. And I said, Dad, I want to talk to you about that, that uh, thing that happened on uh, Winter He said, I don't want to talk about it. So, now, that wasn't my dad. My dad, would, he was very open with me. He would talk about anything with me. Yeah. But he didn't want to talk about that UFO, I'm telling you. I spoke to my brother about it. My brother, I mean, my brother saw exactly as I did, unfortunately. My brother passed away a few years ago. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was as clear. Honestly, Mick, it was as clear as day. It was yeah. parked next to the mast. I've probably mentioned this to three people or four people during the course of my life. And um, it's always ended in ridicule. It's always ended up in uh, somebody taking the mickey. And uh, so in the end, eventually you, you just stop doing it. You stop mentioning it. Another part of the story is that over the course of my life, always in the company of another person, one time in life, um, in fact, twice with my wife, uh, and obviously once with my brother and my father, I've seen two other things in the sky that defied, you know, defied uh, description, really. Yeah. Just very, fa- just very fast-moving objects that weren't, there was nothing like the one um, in the early 60s that I saw on Winter Hill. But, I mean, there were clear objects in the sky. Imagine your wedding day on white marble floors beneath crystal chandeliers and exquisite ceiling drapery. Nestled on Long Bay Point Marina in Virginia Beach, the Gala 417 is a modern and luxurious waterfront wedding venue with all-inclusive packages, award-winning catering packages, and a dedicated team of gala girls to assist you every step of the way. The Gala is the perfect place to say, I do. Your dream wedding is just a click away. Learn more at thegala417.com With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at luckylandslots.com Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Imagine your wedding day on white marble floors beneath crystal chandeliers and exquisite ceiling drapery. Nestled on Long Bay Point Marina in Virginia Beach, the Gala 417 is a modern and luxurious waterfront wedding venue with all-inclusive packages, award-winning catering packages, and a dedicated team of gala girls to assist you every step of the way. The Gala is the perfect place to say, I do. Your dream wedding is just a click away. Learn more at thegala417.com moving incredibly fast. Now, to this day, my wife still refuses to accept that she saw something, even though we both stood there and watched it. It's a case of denial, I think. But, listen, um, there's something going on that we don't understand. I mean, there are too many reports worldwide uh, for there not to be, to be fair. Um, As far as I'm concerned, anyway, that's just my opinion. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not some kind of crank. I'm not. Um, I've, I've done some serious jobs throughout my life. Uh, you know, I've, I've, as well as the forces, I've done other things. So I'm not. I'm nobody's fool. Uh, like that lady on one of your previous.
video set, I know what I saw. Yeah. And yeah. nobody will ever convince me otherwise. Well, that stuck with me, actually, because that is exactly how I feel. It's, it's, it's refreshing to actually tell somebody about it who's not going to, you know, take the rip out of you. The father went the other way. I mean, I can only assume this. I don't know for a fact, because, like, as I say, he didn't discuss it. I assume that my father, at some point, tried to discuss it with other, or, you know, attempted to discuss, discuss it with other people. And he got the same um, reaction, ridicule, although I, I can't help anybody who tried to ridicule my father, because, like I say, he was a very, um, you know, serious man. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I can only assume that that was it, and he decided, right, that is it, I'm drawing a line under this, and I'm not discussing it any further. I'm trying to judge how far I would have been away from it, and I can only assume I was about probably, probably 200 metres. Right. 250, 250 metres maximum, I'd yeah. say, from, from it. And it wasn't sitting there on... Horizontally, it was sitting at 45 degrees, sort of. Um, well, I don't know, 35 to 45 degrees, I would have said. Yeah. So it wasn't horizontal, it wasn't vertical, it was sort of in between it. And then all of a sudden, gone. And then, uh, literally as fast as that. Right. Uh, not, it was that fast you couldn't have followed it. You know, you couldn't have followed it with your eyes, otherwise you'd have broke your neck. Did it go up? No, no, it went, uh, as far as I saw, it went across my vision, uh, uh, you know, I'm looking, I'm looking up the hill at the, uh, the mast, yeah. and it went away to my left, so I saw it leave, but if I had tried to follow it, I'd have brought my neck up to going that fast, yeah, uh, about 1973, I was on an ex uh, exercise on Dartmoor, yeah, with the, with the, I was in the army at the time, I was, uh, I joined at 15 um, as a junior, what's called a junior leader. Uh, and we're out on Dartmoor doing exercise. And we heard something very, very strange. Um, it was a cat, but a very distressed cat. Now, we were, at, we were mile, literally miles from anywhere. There was no human habitation anywhere near us. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, uh, when the exercise was over, we all uh, had to uh, RV at this. It was like a, it was like a farmhouse house uh, that we all. Had. It was just a, a common point on the map. Yeah. So we all RV'd there, and there happened to be a farmer there um, who worked the land. Um, he wasn't with us; he just happened to be in the vicinity. And one of our senior NCOs turned around to him and said. What the bloody hell was that? Uh, you know, what was that noise? Uh, we heard a noise last night, uh, overnight, and you know, we don't. I have a clue what it. He said it sounded like a big cat. Yeah. Says, That's because he was a big cat boy. <laughs> and I said, uh, and he said, "What do you mean it was a big cat? You know, it'd have to be a bloody big cat to make that kind of noise." He said, "It, it is a bloody big cat." He said, "It takes down sheep. It takes down all sorts." He said, and he's been running around here on uh, Dartmoor for more years. He said, and he went on to say he thinks in the family of them because it's been going on that long. You know? Next, we will hear from a local man as he shares his experience from Winter Hill. He saw a very large cat and he also explained an earlier experience with a red-eyed thing that was very close to the quarry. What it were, Mick, I mean, to be honest, I, I had no interest in big cats or anything like that, me, at all. Yeah. But I started at, um, that quarry, the, the smaller one. Yeah. And, um, I've been on there for a while, but it were, it were around about, like, 2018, it was summer, and where I'm sat, or was sat, you're looking out over towards... Wales, like Snowden and Liverpool. Yeah, yeah. And you've got the football, both from London's football club, you know, and I'm sat right quite high up and you can, it's a great view, you know. I remember it vividly because it was like, I call it golden hour, you know, when for photography. And I looked out to my left hand side, because there's a window at the side, and there's like, um, 
like a couple of hills, but there's like, it's piled up mud, if you will. Yeah. Dried out. And I could see something sat there. And when I looked, no word of a lie, because they were like, I were like, um, they were a side on profile to it. Yeah. And it just looked like a cat. And it was sat there, but it was sat on its back legs, like a dog would do, sat down. Yeah. And it was just surveying the land in front of it, facing the football club. And then it just like went forward, got up onto all fours, and slinked away to the left hand side towards the uh, road what runs up inside of that quarry. Yeah. But the day after I went up, and it's it's really hard, crusty ground, so there were no paw prints or anything like that. But time and time again, I've seen sheep up there, and when you look straight away, you can say, "Yeah, it's a sheep," or I can see a roe deer straight away. It's a roe deer, and I thought, "No way!" It just threw it. It was just sat there, but the way it moved as well. I've got I've got dogs myself, you know. <laughs> and to be honest, uh, Mick, yeah. whatever dog is, there's not the human quite close to it in there. I mean, mine are always at my feet. I don't let it. It's not going to run off and sit on a hill somewhere, and, <laughs> you know. Exactly, no, you don't get dogs obviously like that. So, what about the tail? Did you see the tail? Is it? Do you know? To be honest, I did, but I couldn't get. You couldn't say a size on it. Right. But it was bigger than a dog tail and it were curly, if you will. But what got me attention was its head. I mean, I've looked at pictures since in the Puma. It was, it was just spot on like a side profile of that. Right. But it's the way it moved off. It moved off like, um, you know, like a little domestic cat. You know, like the, the creepy, aren't they? I'm not keen on cats. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like that, but it were a bloody bigger version because of where I'm sat and where that hill was. Yeah. You can sort of like... Well, you wouldn't have been able to see a domestic anyway. No, you wouldn't. No, the, the Do you know what I mean? It, yeah. it was just, uh, it was very unusual. But previous to that sighting, Mick, is when I saw them red eyes at the back of Pilkington Quarry. Because what it is, Mick, you couldn't walk down it. Well, you could if you went over the fence. But what it is, it floats down and it's all ever. What it was, I just flashed the back and I saw it. Just two red eyes watching me. I never really looked into it, but it never entered my head, mate. Like I said, I, I had no interest in subject uh, until I saw it, and I thought it was, and that's when I started taking an interest, you know. I mean, I'm, I'm out all the time here, mate, with the cameras and tripods, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. you know, what's what, don't you, in your local area, don't you know, don't you, yeah. your foxes, your roe deer? You do, yeah. And when you see something like that, it just stuck out and thought, whoa, hang on a minute. Yeah. Yeah, I saw your video, you see, Mick, on the... That Deborah posted it. Yeah. yeah. You know, your first, uh... The first one, The yeah. first encounter where you interviewed them two lads. Well, that's where it sparked my interest, then. I thought, oh, bloody hell, you know. But when I watched it, I thought, I knew straight away where you was. Yeah. You know, next to the quarry, I knew straight away. Yeah. Um... But... There's a chap who works up there, Mick. He's like the quarry manager. Yeah. And, and he walks the fence line, you see, on a daily basis. Oh, right. Right. That's why I asked uh, how far it was from the fence line, because he found one. Yeah. And he said it wasn't there a couple of days previous, you see. So for, from, like, today's date, it was around about two weeks ago. It, yeah. it left, to be honest. We just sat there, Mick, like it was surveying the land, because it it's like a really good view, you know. Oh. It was, just, it was just, nobody worked there long. It was just, it was sat there, and like I said, it lifted up onto all fours in one swoop, like straight onto all fours, but it, then it slinked. Yeah. You know, off, and it was, just a, it was just a cat movement, but on a bigger version of it. Mm -hmm. I couldn't see any colour. It just looked all one colour, and uh, you couldn't make out, yeah. you couldn't make out any, any, any distinguishing figures on it. It was just like the perfect outline, if you will. Like a yeah. silhouette, sort of. Well, to be honest, Mick, it, I used to do a lot of wild camping, you know, at Lake District and that. And it's, it's put me off. It's reduced me to going to um, campsites now. I hear that often from many of the wild campers who say that they've never camped since. Hikers who never hike and dog walkers who never walk the dog. Seeing something and experiencing something out there at night is terrifying. But when you experience something that should not be in the UK, you are left to deal with that 
on your own. But not all of the reports on the hill are something that spooks a human. Sometimes even an animal that's scarier as it presents can still do an act of kindness. No, I mean, what happened to us, it was been about 10, 11 years ago. Um, and I think, in fact, I think it was New Year's Day or New Year's Day after New Year. We've gone up to the pike with a friend and with my daughter. She's, oh, she must have been about, been about 10. And it was really frosty and icy, and it, which is fine going up in the daytime. But we'd gone up there and there was this spectacular sunset. And you know, you could see like the sun going down over Snowdonia and the sea. Yeah, and stayed up there longer than it should have done. Because it, it was just so beautiful. And then you realise it's getting dark very, very quickly. And the temperature would drop. And there was ice everywhere. And you know, when you have one of those moments like, shit, we've got no torch, we've got to get down there, like through um, <laughs> the garden in the dark. Yeah, so it was like, you know, you think, shit, I shouldn't, we shouldn't have let this happen. Um, you know, because Zoe was, you know, she was young and it was dark and it was, it was quite treacherous. And this dog appeared, right, from nowhere. It was just us. I was with this guy, um, that was for you at the time, and I was with my daughter, so everybody had gone home. And this dog appeared, this black dog. It never came close. Can you imagine just we're in the middle of nowhere and there's a dog that he didn't come close at all. And it was it wasn't, you know, masses like the Shiker or Red Eyes or anything else. It was just a black dog. Um it took us down. It guided us down. But it never came close at all. It never it was not friendly in the fact it came up fussy. Um it just kept a reasonable distance from us and took us down the path. Yeah. And then when we got to the bottom, it just walked away. It was in front of us all the time. It took us down. It just, we just decided, we thought this is a bit odd. There was nobody else around. Because you can imagine it was dark. It was, yeah. it was twilight. And very icy. And it just took us down the path. Wow. It, it, it just guided us down. And when we got to the bottom, which is towards the, um, the back of, um, you know, the house where the barn is and things. Yeah. And it just left us. Went down the lane on its own. I thought it was a medium-sized dog. It wasn't one of the massive ones that you hear about. It was just what looked like an ordinary-sized black dog. Leftovers. Or. The DMV. Number 97. Or. House cleaning. Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. We're prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Never ever came close. But you'd expect a dog to do that. It was perhaps wondering, and it's like, what was it doing up there on its own? Even so, if it's been lost or something, it would have perhaps hung round or come towards. It didn't. It just acknowledged us. We knew we were there. It acknowledged us. And it took us down. And it was a bit slow. It waited. So that was the thing. It wasn't just a dog that was just walking ahead. If we were slow, Paul, it kept waiting for us. For all, the encounter was strange. 
A black dog up on the hill could, I suppose, be classed as a runaway dog, but it didn't seem to have those characteristics, did it? It waited for them. And I can attest that if you try to come down the hill in the dark with no torch, you risking mechanical injury and even a broken ankle up there can get much worse. The weather can change in an instance. But that's not the only time this lady has seen and experienced something similar with a dog in the area. So we have to take into account that this could be personal to her. This could be a guide of some kind. It's happened to me before that, not there, but at Tavebury, where I was with my mum and dog. And we were up near the monument near the White Horse Club at the back of Avebury, and we, we didn't know our way down. We got a little bit lost, and again, a black dog appeared and took us down um, and guided us back down to the car and then just went. But, you know, and then you think, well, maybe it's no farm sits nearby, no people know anything just on its own. Never came close at all. But it knew we were there, it waited for us, it guided us down, and it stopped, we waited, and it looked, and um, it just took us right down the path. I think it would have been quite dangerous if it, because we couldn't, we hadn't got a torch, we didn't know the way, it was all I see. And because it was dark and it was twilight, it's not like it was familiar going down, where you think, well, I'm going here, I'm going there. Yeah. It just took us down. Oh, our next report is very similar. And the doc shows very similar behaviour. I wonder how many other people have seen benevolent black dogs on the hill. I've provided the audio for this next interview as the witness was not happy to be recorded. But here is her account as she wrote it. I want to share an experience I had back in 1984 when I was 16, 17 years old. At the time, I worked at the motorway services and used to be picked up by the works minibus, which would meet me at the Crown in Horwich about 6am each day. But if I was late, and we had no mobile phones back then, you had to walk. Um, the minibus would just be gone and you'd have to walk all the way to work. The quickest way was down the steps at the top of Crown Lane and then go across the fields. One morning I was late and it was still dark and I got to the bottom of the steps and there was a huge black dog there. I noticed its eyes first. They were shining in an amber colour despite it being dark and it was also surrounded by trees. I stopped. I felt a bit nervous to go past it. There was no light shining on the dog to make its eyes stand out like that. I tried to shoo it away but it just stood there. When I went closer to try and go past it, it turned and walked off in the direction I was going. Because I'd been late for work a few times, I was anxious not to be late again, so I just had to follow the dog. We went across one field and through a gap and then onto a dirt track up the bridge to Squirrel Lane. The dog kept in front of me the whole time. After crossing the bridge and up a slope, I looked to Squirrel Lane and the dog had disappeared. I didn't think much of it at the time and I just thought it must have belonged to the farm. But there was a niggling feeling inside that I would have seen it on Squirrel Lane had it lived at the farm. Squirrel Lane has hedgerows on either side and there was nowhere the dog could go other than up or down the lane. I just would have seen it. And the farm gates were usually locked and the only way over was to climb over a stile and a dog couldn't do that. I saw this dog about four or five times in all, always at the same place and always lost sight of it very quickly. I used to talk to it and it tried, I even tried to stroke it, but it just seemed to glide ahead and it was always just out of reach. It never made a sound, not even its feet in the mud. Even when I was sloshing and squishing, nothing, not even a panting noise. I almost felt peaceful with this dog, as if it was escorting me, like it was a friend, keeping me safe. Once again, this witness had more than one experience with the same dog. Is this her guide, her guardian? Was he even a safe, or is it five separate coincidences, similar to the earlier lady who saw it two times? 
I don't have the answer for that. There are many things going on on Winter Hill. Um, many layers to the place and lots of different kinds of sighting reports from up like two-legged creatures described as bear man or werewolves to strange UFO reports and as we've discussed tonight, all manner of black dogs. Now, our next report happened in 2012 and this was not a benevolent report. This was a group, two groups of people that were followed down the hill um, well, it was the Queen's Jubilee, and it was the night that um, they were lighting all the beacons everywhere, so we didn't want to go somewhere crowded. Um, there was me and two of my friends, and we had the dogs with us. Um, so we thought Great Hill would probably be the best place, because you could see the Pike, you could see um, Darwin Tower, you could see Pendle Hill, South Lakes, so that's why we decided to go there. Normally, at that time of year, there's sheep everywhere on the moors, down at the low parts as well as right the way up onto Great Hill and that particular day there weren't any sheep at the bottom end where you park and walk through up the main on the main path. My dog is well, well sorry was his dad now he was a working dog so he, he would work sheep. My friend had a Kern Terrier that wasn't good with livestock and there was a group of I don't, I don't know maybe 20 sheep or so something like that we're right up at Grey Hill as you get to the top where the seats are. So, because the friend wanted to let the dog off, I used my dog to send the sheep away. But they came back. So, I sent him off again and he, he chased him down off the hill, came back, and the sheep came back. And we had to do it three times. And I thought that was a little bit strange because normally if the dog will send the sheep off, they'll stay away, but they kept coming back. So, yeah, it took like three good attempts to get rid of them just so that my friend could let the... Uh, let the cane terrier off. I was with two work colleagues, friends, and we got up there. There was only us at first because we took like a flask of some coffee in and some pop and crisp and cakes and what have you. Um, went up just before it had got dark. And while we were up there, there was a, a bloke turned up. We realised when we got there, we hadn't. <laughs> I had flip flops on. We'd forgotten to take a torch. Um, this guy turned up with all camping gear and, you know, I don't know whether he'd been wild camping or whatnot, but he had a head torch. And we said, you know, can we walk back down with you later on? He said, yeah. And then a big gang came up White Coppice Gorge. Um, I didn't know all the lads. I think there were, I don't know, half a dozen of them, maybe a bit more. But one of the, one of the people with them, the girl, she was somebody else who worked with us and we didn't know she was going up. She didn't know we were going to be there. But yeah, there ended up quite a crowd of us at the top. We probably were there an hour after the... So they lit the beacons. Whatever time the beacons were lit, they lit the beacons. We watched that and then there were fireworks going off everywhere. Um, so we watched it because we were right high up. We could see them going off in like Brinskull, Wisnall, Abbey Village and so on and over towards Bolton. I'd say maybe an hour hour and a half top after the, the fireworks had finished and the beacons had been lit, so I don't, I don't know. I'm going to guess 11, half 11, maybe 12 at the latest. Yeah, so the, the, the gang that had come up the White Coppice Gorge with the girl we worked with, they were, they were quite a bit in front of us going down towards this path because they had proper shoes on <laughs> and torches. <clears throat> I've got my slip-flops on. My friend doesn't walk very quick. My other friend is walking behind with this guy with the head torch. Um, but it was quite a light night. And, you know, I think, I think I said to you, I'm pretty sure it was a full moon that night because yeah. it, it was quite light. So the other group had already hit the gorge path as we were, were kind of getting to where the forts were shouting to Artem and whatnot. Um, and my friend chatting to the bloke behind us, they were, I don't know, I'll, I'll guess about 100 feet behind us. And me and my other friend are walking ahead with the dogs. And um, we hadn't been going that long. I think we were making a few jokes, you know, saying, oh, she's pulled here behind. And I kind of looked over my shoulder back at them, having a laugh with my other friend. And virtually fell over my dog. And he was stopped, stock still, in the middle of the path. Ackles up, just looking off to the left, like in the direction of White Coppice Gorge, but not actually looking down the gorge, if you get it. It was just in yeah. that kind of direction. And other dog was standing at the side of him. Um, and my dog's tail, he was, he was basically rigid-legged. All his hackles were up, just stirring. He wasn't making a sound. The Kern Terrier um, was on the other side of him, so the side furthest away from the moors, on his right side. 
and her tail was, she wasn't doing anything either, but her tail was tucked underneath her, um, which I thought was a bit odd, you know, turns are quite feisty little, little things. Um, and I, I wasn't really sure, you know, what was going on, and I thought, what's, what's, what's going on? And I said, go on, get going. And as I said that, I heard a growl. And my first instinct was that it was a dog. <laughs> um, now I don't think it was, because when you think about it, it was, um, it was strange. I'll, I'll just say it was strange. It was a different kind of a growl. My friend who I was walking with was a couple of steps behind me. Um, talks quite loud. I always joke and say, like, she can whisper over ten fields. So I kind of turned to her and I said, did you hear that? She's like, what, what? I, you know, I didn't, I, I didn't hear anything. What was it? And just as she finished talking, the growl happened again. The she heard it this time. Mm-hmm. The other two, at this point, because we've, we've stopped, they've kind of closed the gap a little bit. But they're talking away and they didn't look like they'd heard anything. Um, and the dogs sort of, they were still a little bit alert, but didn't look as bothered. Like my dog's hackles had kind of come down and he was looking in the direction of the moors, but didn't seem as stressed. Shall I say, as, as, as he has looked a couple of minutes ago, um, so yeah, we just we, we carried on walking a little way. The, the dogs were still looking, but they weren't tails weren't up, hackers weren't up. The little cone terrier was sniffing around a little bit, um, so we, we were walking a little bit slower um, than we had been doing. But I was, you know, we were trying to think about what it was that we'd seen, you know, um, and I was saying I think it, you know, that might have been a dog and. I was a bit worried about my dog because he's still like having a bit of a scrap. So, um, and this is all in the, in the space of a minute or so, just going through all of this in my head and keep an eye on him. I don't want him running off in the dark after another dog, and it didn't sound very friendly. And yeah, so we were just kind of talking about that. And uh, the next minute, he stopped still again, um, and this time he's growling. Um, and there's a little bit of a bend in the road, uh, in the track. It kind of goes round to the right-hand side. Um, and he is poker straight, again, tail up, all his hackles are up, and he's doing a really deep, chesty growl. Yeah. Um, and the, the cone Terry was actually whimpering. She was kind of whining, um, very quietly, but she was whining, so she was scared. Um, but the fact that my dog was growling, that, that really worried me. Um, and they were kind of looking, there's a bit of a slope going up to the right hand side um, and at that point that's, my dog was kind of looking in that direction and then started kind of turning his body and his head to the left now these two have closed the gap even more behind us and the guy's headlight the head torch he had on was casting shadow, or casting light in front of where we were standing Um and I think because he was talking to my friend, she was on his left-hand side, so the side that the dogs were now looking at. I think he may have just turned his head, uh, which is why the light, you know, cast where where I then saw something just move across from the left-hand side across the front of the bend. So it was kind of going in the direction we were going, and it went from the left to the right, and both the dogs were just, yeah, yeah, they, they just followed it with their eyes, really stiff. My dog was just growling, 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 but we didn't hear it move. I didn't see a head. I didn't see, I just saw the bulk of the, of a body. Um, and my first instinct was it were a cow, um, which only felt after cows start up on the walls in that area. So, yeah. So that was, uh, that was quite frightening, at which point I went into total panic. I said, Jeff, did you see that? And, Oh my God, you know, what the hell was that? Um, and I just went in a bit of a panic and I was insisting that we all stayed together and we got the dogs on the road and then had another probably 15, 20 minutes maybe walk to get off the road after that. Yeah. If you was walking uh, down that path, could you just explain what the dogs were doing while you was walking along that path as well? all the way down for the, for the rest of the trip back from the Great the Bend after Great Hill, right down to the bottom where the um, the car the cars are parked up. Um, they were constantly looking from like the left hand side to the right hand side of the path, and then they'd look back from the right hand side to the left hand side, as though they were watching something moving from one side to the other. But we didn't see anything. 
we didn't hear anything, we didn't see anything, but the dogs, it was like they knew something was there, and that was the, that was for the full duration of that, um, that walk back down the main path. I've actually got the horrors at the minute, sorry about that, the voice is shaking. Just as the, the path starts to drop, it's, it's quite a, a steepish drop, because you, you've been fairly flat from there, just going towards where the, um, where the cars are parked, there's like a, a metal gate. Just to the left-hand side, I think it's called Whittles, I can't remember. Um, it's, it's an old ruined farmhouse, one of the abandoned uh, small farms. And I, because obviously all the way down, I've been set, trying to say to people, you know, stay together, stay together, stay together. Felt like a freak because nobody seemed to be telling. I was getting a bit pissed off because they're still dawdling and I'm wanting to, you know, get back to the car. And I kind of looked over my shoulder to say to the other two at the back, will you hurry up? And as I did that, I was kind of looking in the direction, and I just felt the corner of my eye caught something moving. Um, and I couldn't tell you colour, I couldn't tell you if it had hair or fur or, or what have you, because it was a, a distance. Um, I mean, I, I don't know how many feet it would would you think it would maybe i don't know 50 to 100 feet away because you, you saw where it was yeah, in the past you're right yeah. I'm, not great, I'm not great with distances and um just saw something jumping and it was kind of going in the left hand um direction so it kind of jumped over the small like crumbled walls um i don't know whether the foundations of this building under it there's a couple of trees in the middle of it i just saw something leap over at which point I have lost it, and I'm, you know, effing and jessing, and for Christ's sake, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. And in the space it took me to do that, and probably walked five feet, I hear another growl, and it's, I don't know, um, would you say that, that little dip in the grass was maybe ten foot off the path, maybe? Yeah. Because uh, yeah, you saw it just off the ledge. Yeah, just where it dips down a little bit, so I didn't see anything. I hadn't heard anything running or, you know, moving. I'd just seen the the, the the outline of whatever it was jumping into the um, the ruins. And then what seems like seconds later, there's a growl right off the path, um, ten, 10 foot, like I said, maybe. Uh, you're probably better judge than me. Um, and I bolted. Oh, that's the other thing as well. I did actually unhook my dog off his lead because I, I was just like, you know, let him go. And I, I ran and absolutely shredded my toes because I was in flip-flops and there's a lot of loose stones up there. Um, I think if I could have, I would have bolted that gate. I managed to get through the kissing gate, got in the Land Rover, had everybody in there within seconds, um, locked all the doors and booted it. Um, yeah, so... That's what happened, but yeah, I was very, very frightened. I probably can't even express how scared I was. Pure panic. Uh, especially, you know, you see something like that, you know it's a full moon, you know, you you felt that fear from first bumping into it to the bottom, and it, it is a long stretch of a path, that. Uh, I'd yeah. say it's about, from where you saw it down to the bottom, about a mile and a quarter. Um, yeah, two miles, like that, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so you, you, that fear is building up all the time while you're walking down there. Uh, so you, you got in your car, you went, and you when, when you saw the other work colleague who'd left you at the uh, Coppice Gorge, what did you say to them about your experience? Well, to be honest, I didn't tell her what had happened Um I bumped into her in, um, in work, it was, you know, three, I think, I'm sure it was a bank holiday on that Monday, I can't remember, anyway, it was probably mid midweek towards the end of the following week, um, bumped into her, and I was just saying, you know, did you, did you get home all right without breaking any ankles or anything, and um, having a bit of a laugh, and then I just said, you didn't hear it weird by any chance, did you, you know, any, anything a bit odd? And she's like, oh, my God, it's really funny you say that. Because um, one of the lads who was at the very back of their group, because they'd gone down the gorge in a line rather than a group, because the path quite treacherous in spots, apparently, just after they'd separated and, and gone down onto that path, so, um, I don't know, maybe a, a few minutes after we'd, we'd all 
said goodbye, I don't know. She said that he was telling people that there was, he thought someone was following them. Um, so they were like, oh, you know, shut up, you're drunk, and there's nobody following us. He's like, no, there's, <laughs> there's somebody creeping through your grass down here behind us and off to the side. Um, and I was like, oh, all right, oh, did he? Oh, that's a bit weird. Not telling her what had happened to us because I didn't want to think I was an idiot. <laughs> but I found that quite interesting. So I had a few thoughts over the, you know, was it one that followed, you know, did it follow them down and realised there were too many of them and then came back up to us? Did it come up to us because we had the dogs? Yeah, the other one is that there could be more than one of them. Yeah, that's what Deb had said, which isn't there. Yeah. That's a, that's a nice thought, isn't it? <laughs> I know, yeah. So, um, you mentioned something about um, someone f knowing that there were some dead sheep up there as well. Yeah, this was... Um, well, I mean, occasionally there have been, you know, you'll find dead sheep, and whether they've been a natural death or, you know, you, you're getting stuck in bogs or get bloat and get stuck on the backs or what have you. Um, but we were up there, um, me and my friends, about, I don't know, it was just, I think it was when it was about three weeks ago, maybe, I think. Um, and we'd gone up on the Sunday morning for a little walk, but we'd stayed off that track we were on. We were more or less down where the ruins were that I just mentioned, walking along the plantation line. Um, and we found, well, she found, she was on a lower path than I was, but she found, um, you know, the remains of the sheep. Um, you know, but yeah, you, you, you tend to find them there and you do find the other side at Ratcliffe where the, the sheep are now, which you saw the other day on the opposite side of, of the main road going up to the moors. So, yeah, we, we, we've, we've seen quite a few over the years there, but, you know, you, I didn't think of it in these terms, you know, whenever I've seen dead sheep, it's just like, oh, maybe a dog's dad and maybe I've, I've not really paid that much attention until I've, I've spoken to yourself, spoken to Deb, and started kind of thinking about things a little differently. Yeah, yeah. And and the fellow with the uh, hunting rifle you were telling me about, could you tell us more about that? Yeah, well, that was um, that was just an off-handed remark that um, one of my old neighbours had said. Um, I used to see him up on the moors, and he was saying, oh, not, you know, not seen you up there for a long time. I'm not telling people that I don't go walking up there unless I'm with at least one other person. So, um, And he was telling me that on two occasions he'd seen a guy up there with a hunting rifle in two different spots. Um, one was, and um, they used to do um, organised grouse shoots up there, um, so they're, they're a lot of like grouse and partridge and whatnot. They don't do them anymore, but there's the remains of an old hide. And he said the first time he saw the chap, he was in there. And he said it was a rifle, it wasn't a shotgun. Because um, I thought, it's not an air rifle. He went, no, no, I know my gun, he said it was a rifle. He was in there, he shouted over to him and said, oh, what, you know, what are you after? His dog's been wearing its sheep. Thinking that's why the guy was there, because it was out of um, shooting season. For the birds, um, and guy just kind of giving us a look. I didn't answer him and carried on looking back. Um, the way he was facing would be in the direction of White Coppice, even though he couldn't see it from where he was. It was kind of in that direction, the Winter Hill White Coppice direction. Um, and then the next time he saw him, I don't know if that was a week or two later, that was further up um, <clears throat> on the left-hand side, sitting up on the banks, and again, in his camouflage gear with the rifle and just kind of sitting in the gorse and didn't say anything to him but he, he's always been very careful to keep his dogs with him um, up there just in case this guy is after picking off dogs but yeah it just seems to be a bit the fact he had a rifle yeah. <laughs> just seems a little bit odd yeah how would you best describe how you felt or what you saw and what you think it, it could be um at the time, um, I tried to, well, I, I, at the time, the initial thought was it was a, a dog, a loose dog, um, even though it's good, and I've had dogs all my life, I'm not frightened of dogs, my dad keeps burbles, the big um, South African mastiffs, so I'm not frightened of dogs, um, and it scared me. Um, but I tried to rationalise it, and over the years I thought, it must have just been a dog, must have just been a dog, no idea what it was that we saw, but, you know, maybe it was a cow, and that it's got out. 
and that's never really sat, although that's what I've told myself, it's never, never really sat well with me because of the fear that I've got of going back up on the moors. It's like a real primal fear with me now. Um, and I know when you said to me the other day, you know, what's the very first thing that was coming to your head if, you know, about what you saw? And since I've heard other people's stories about what's at the very first thing I thought was American werewolf in London, as daft as it sounds, but that's the, you know, the, the, the bit of them being on the moors and being stalked. And I thought, oh my God, it's, <laughs> it's, um, it's, it's so similar. Um, yeah, so that, that's the first thing that, that I was I would say now, whether that's true or not, because I didn't see whatever it was. It was just very large, and it moved very quickly, and obviously it growled. But um, yeah, I mean I'm five foot two, so I would say um, yeah, just, just trying to think about it now. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd probably yeah four four foot ish. Um, mm. But as I said, when I saw it, it wasn't on the same path as us. It was slightly down on the you know, on the moors, um, and we saw it, well, me and my friend saw it the first time, um, and I only saw the bulk of the body, and the only other thing that I could have ever said that it might have been, um, if it was somebody somewhere else, would be um, like a red deer stag, a big red deer stag, you know, with 10, 12 pointer, but we don't have red deer, little roe deer that, you know, they don't get to that kind of size, wasn't a horse, I keep horses, so... You know, I know it wasn't a horse, so it's a mystery. I would just not like to see it again. I used to go up on my own all the time. I had, you know, I'd take my two dogs up there, and I'd go every... I used to run along there, you know, in the morning before work, so won't do that. I'll go with somebody else. I will not go if it's dark or, you know, first light. It's going to be broad daylight, middle of the day, and with somebody else. I mean, you saw when I met you, I wouldn't get, even though it was, what, coming on for lunchtime, until somebody's with me, I wouldn't even get out of my car. That's the kind of thing I've got up there now, because I don't know what it was. Now, you'll hear from Mick about the strange event when they saw something around the quarry on the hill. So here we are tonight, this morning, early this morning, it's about um, half past four uh, and we're looking around up on Winter Hill to see whether we can see anything like we saw the other evening. Uh, We saw a movement ducking up and down outside of a quarry where we're going looking now. This is what it's like just looking around because it's quite foggy as well so we can't really see much but when we turn our torches off as you can see, you can't see anything at all. There's Caroline walking in front. As we turn away, we see nothing. And Lee in the distance with his torch. Turn it back on. So the visibility tonight, is, well, early this morning, is quite low. So it's a. Uh, more of listening out for any noises and see if anything catches our attention that way. So <clears throat> here we are now uh, in the middle of the moors on Winter Hill. Uh, we, it's 5.30 and we're just still looking around to see whether uh, we can see anything. Visibility still a bit dark so I've got it on night mode uh, and as you can see can hear or you can hear all the birds waking up. There's a Lee and Carol on again. So still up here tonight. No wind at all. Just a lot of low flying cloud.
such a beautiful morning this morning as you can see there's a mist just shrouding over the landscape with a mast in the background and as you can see here the clouds coming in very magical up here this morning well, Thursday evening, late Thursday evening, it was quite dark we was uh, at this point and uh, where you can see in front we saw something moving along that line not sure what it was, it was Lee who spotted it first with his night vision and as we shone our torches over we saw movement what looked like the same size as the sheep uh, but it kept bobbing up and down along this line and as you can see the clumps of grass in front right in front of the screen it was just to the left of that now it bobbed up and we could see eye shine and then it bobbed back down then it came up again and it did this four times up down so we came over with our torches rushing over to see what it was and when we got to this point as you can see in a second where it were bobbing up and down you can see it's uh, quite a long drop down and like I said it was about the same size as a sheep of just the bits we could see so when you look here you can see it's a sheer drop so we're not sure where it went because by the time we got here we didn't hear any noises it was such a still night and quiet but we couldn't hear any of the rocks or the stones below moving we shone our torches everywhere and just didn't see a thing and as you can see whatever it was must have gone straight down there or straight down now if it would have been there and ran to the left we would have seen it going that way or if it ran the other way we would have seen it just heading on this field here but our torches were shining on this spot at all times what I saw was something uh, it had fur and it was quite large like I say about the same size as a sheep from us seeing it from that distance and then it just bobbed down and we couldn't see it after that or hear it at all If you're listening to this episode on the podcast I would suggest that you look in the description below and visit either my channel or Mick's channel on the links provided because Mick has filmed them all and I think anybody who doesn't know the area would be very interested to see those images. You'll also see other evidence that we've come up with out there and there are around 13 or 14 um, sheep deaths now in the one area, rib cages ripped open, spines twisted and all manner of strange injuries and the team will continue to investigate up there and no doubt there will be a part two to this video because as I'm making it, there are new reports coming in as I speak.
Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.